and welcome back to the Blind Spots podcast. I'm your host, Jake Tropila, joined as always by my co-host, Christy Strauss. Christy, how are you doing this morning? Awesome. This morning. Yeah. Are we well, trying you know. to throw mystery out as to when we record? Well, you know, podcasts are released in the mornings, I feel, and uh, it's, good, it's a good start to people's day. Yeah, I'm just having some coffee. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great morning. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, yeah, we're back here with another episode. Um, if you've read the episode description or saw the title, you can probably tell it's another one of our special double episodes. Whoa. Uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, well, it's a very appropriate laugh because we are delving into the world of horror once again. We just wrapped up a successful October and we uh, we felt the lingering need to share some of our favorite horror movies. So uh, if you still want to scratch that spooky itch, we've got you covered with creepy skeleton hand back scratchers, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. All, yeah. all around creepy skeleton hand back scratchers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just thought of that right now. That uh, was brilliant. Pat, it was good. Thank you. Pat, patent pending. All right. So, yeah. Um, each uh, each of us share two films that the other. If you don't know the premise of our podcast, uh, this is a show where uh, Christy and I each share a film with each other that the other person has not seen. We watch them both, and then we uh, talk about the films with the special uh, four movie episode. We've each shared two films that the other person has not seen, and now we're going to discuss all four. Uh, so we're going to start with one of my entries, uh, which I suggested to uh, Christy that she check out. Dario Argento's 1975 Giallo Deep Red. Deep Red is a film about, uh, well, you know, plot isn't really necessary to delve into with a, uh, a film like this. It's more about the mood, but at its core, it's about a, a jazz musician slash teacher who is in Italy and a slew of murders start happening around him and he just decides to get to the bottom of what's going on and unravels a bizarre mystery. Um, but uh, Christy, what are your general thoughts on Deep Red? Yeah, I think that was pretty well said, you know, keeping it cryptic and also <laughs> it's yeah. not the easiest to describe. But yeah, he feels the need to, to dive in and investigate himself, to immerse yeah. himself in this. Um, yeah, this was <laughs> this was an interesting one. Uh, I, I definitely enjoyed it. And, you know, much like the uh, other movie you chose, which is more so, um, this is definitely, you know, rightfully weird and uh and mm-hmm. and, a, and a fun film and um very happy that we had a discussion before that i didn't realize i hadn't watched the superior uh version of this film but i still got to see plenty of great stuff so oh yeah, yeah. so we were uh, discussing a little bit off mic beforehand but yeah there are a few versions of this that exist uh, if you have the recent Blu-ray that Arrow put out, uh, I believe they have all of them. I think there's three official versions. Um, the preferred one for me, slash the only one I've ever actually seen, <laughs> is like the full two-hour um, uncut Italian version. Uh, most of the film is uh, post-dubbed in English. Mm-hmm. I think they had the actors speaking in English on the set, and because this is a 70s Italian film, it's just all the audio is dubbed after. Uh, but a good about 25 minutes of film is missing the audio um, when they restored it. So that is all just post-dubbed in Italian. So as you're, if you're watching the full uncut version, you'll have weird scenes where characters will be having full conversations in English. And then literally in the next scene, they'll be talking to each other in Italian. And there, there is no explanation why other than it's just a technical issue that the film had to deal with. Uh, but to me, it kind of adds to the uh, the kind of dreamlike quality that Argento's films exist in. Um, I think... Keeps you on your toes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, 
you you had mentioned before that you'd seen Suspiria, mm-hmm. which is his most well known and his masterpiece uh, for my money. Um, it's a great film. If you've never seen that, I highly recommend it. But uh, yeah, uh, he's known for having just lush, gorgeous visuals, uh, a dreamlike atmosphere, and probably most importantly, a soundtrack by Goblin. Uh, Christy, tell us a little bit about the music in Deep Red. Um, it's relentless. Yeah. <laughs> it's just banging you over the head. Um, it's it's funny. Just a quick note on that. I was when he's when David starts investigating the house. Uh, later on in the film. It's when it really it, kicks into gear, I feel like. It really it, starts. Yeah, but it's funny because I was watching this with the uh, s- captions on, and even it would like describe the music that's playing. <laughs> and so when he enters the house, it says, ominous theme music with an incessant bass line is oh, what starts that. playing. <laughs> it, remarkable, truly. But uh, yeah, what, again, the, your thoughts on the music. Yeah, incessant bass line. I love that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, it obviously kind of like cranks everything up, you know, turns mm-hmm. everything up. Obviously, he's trying to um, give a little bit more tension with what he's doing. Uh, he's obviously investigating some pretty dangerous things. And there's a lot of, yeah. you know, uh, creepy imagery and, you know, dolls, uh, paintings. Yes. Uh, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. And uh, I think that that just kind of intensifies it sometimes. And, and, you know, it's also it just feels very much like the time it was made. Um, the music really helps to do that. And, and just like also, obviously, like you talked about, the uh, the dubbed after is such a mood mm-hmm. for me. Um, like, I don't know, it, it makes it adds to to, you know, Argento's entire just kind of feel. Um, and, and the yeah. music, it I don't know, I, th- I think it just kind of drives the uh, the overall mood of the film. And I love I mean, there's a few scenes that it's like when he's investigating and he's going through the house and stuff where it's just so incessant. Uh And it's like, I don't know. (laughs) I I wondered, like, how long is this going to go on? Because I felt like it was just like I was in a I don't know. I was in a haunted house and it was just like maddening music. (laughs) It the that scene, that's my favorite scene in the whole film where um, the actor David Hemmings, he's also in another film I love called Blow Up. Um, which has another similar investigation scene featuring him. And I watched Deep Red and I was kind of sad that we didn't get like a series of detective films starring this actor because he's really good at just investigating things. But yeah, him going through the house and it's this giant dilapidated mansion. Uh, it's in the middle of the day too that he's there, but it's still like really terrifying. And it's, there's just this extended sequence where he's kind of like chipping away at the, like at the dried over like paint on this wallpaper to reveal this bloody image underneath and but yeah just the music drives the whole scene and it's just so well done and so so like i can't get enough of watching it it's it's really just such a highlight for me in any like horror scene ever yeah and i know you also mentioned the other scene that i had to see which was your other favorite i think one of, one of the best, like, just jump scares uh, ever is uh, there's this other guy who's helping him investigate. I think he's a um, psychiatrist mm-hmm. or a parapsychiatrist or something like to that effect. He's alone in his house. He's hearing creepy noises. And then all of a sudden, just this door at the end of his study opens and this, like, creepy stringless marionette just kind of waltzes into the room with like devilish grin and weird ginger hair <laughs> and it's it's terrifying because it just comes out of nowhere but yeah i'm glad that that's not in the uh censored version that you watched 
Yeah, no, it, it, he kind of just floats in, really. And uh, he, he does magical. have this, it's so magical in his suit. You know, he's really coming out all professional and, um, yeah. you know. <laughs> and I love it. he's professional because he has a suit on. <laughs> yeah, and he's, you know, he's he's got the tie, he's got the bow tie and he's smiling, yeah. you know. Um, and he, yeah, like he is. <laughs> creepy little laugh, too, on the soundtrack. Yes. And it keeps like going as he's getting closer. And yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Um, I'm glad I did not miss that. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, uh, it was also a, you know, he has a relationship with a journalist mm-hmm. and, um, there's also a, a great sequence, a conversation with them, which I thought was kind of, uh, funny about women, mm-hmm. um, him like underestimating women and, uh, he's, he, she kind of like calls him out on a shit. Um, <laughs> she ends up like arm wrestling him and, and it's, I don't know, it's just a funny scene to me that I, I kind of enjoyed because it's almost like it feels different than the rest of the movie. It's a little like sillier and lighter, but also, you know, uh, it's just some good dialogue. Cause I feel like there's a lot of this movie that isn't really, there isn't much dialogue or it isn't that, um, conversational like yeah. that part is. So that scene was also something I enjoyed. She's, um, she's great too. She's played mm-hmm. by, um, Daria Nicolodi and, yes. uh, actually she and, Dario Argento, they um they got married or were partners for some time after this film was released, and uh, mm. they're the parents of uh, Asia Argento, who's mm-hmm. a uh, a filmmaker and actress in her own right. Yes. But uh, yeah, so it's it's a it's a great great little movie. I'm glad uh, I'm uh, most most Argento fans hail is one of their favorites. I'm glad uh, glad you were able to check it out. Yes, uh, me too. And and as always, the blood looks like red paint, which That's I enjoy. The- the best, the best <laughs> stuff when it's bright and fake like that. Oh man, you know you're in it for a good time. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, all right, we gotta we gotta move to uh, the next film. Do you want to bring us gotta, into that one? We gotta move. We're running we out move. of time. We gotta go. Um, yes. So my pick was, or my first pick, this yes. is a double double dose mm-hmm. of blind spots, um, was the 2001 uh, Guillermo del Toro, The Devil's Backbone. Uh, quite a little shift here, um, but we'll yeah. get back to the, the weird and it momentarily um, <laughs> with your next choice. Um, but yeah, so just like a, a quick description. Um, so 10-year-old Carlos uh, goes to a school, Santa Lucia School, um, which shelters orphans. And he basically he's taken in. He's kind of feels a little bit awkward. He has a run in with like another kid. I'm sorry, caretaker. And um, Mm -hmm. basically, as he stays there longer, he starts to kind of discover some things that are going on in the school, the history of the school, as well as a young ghost that kind of wanders the grounds. Um, And yeah, so that's a little description of of that. Uh, (laughs) You hadn't seen this, which I was surprised. I don't know if you've seen all the rest of del toro's films well yeah yeah that's uh that's the thing i'm actually very familiar with a lot of uh guillermo's work um Mm -hmm. looking at his films um i i've seen most of them actually Mm -hmm. um and uh his um my my response to them is actually kind of varied uh, because Mm -hmm. i i I like something like pan's labyrinth um which I, i don't think i've seen since it was released but i loved it back then and I really enjoy. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you create something like the Pale Man. You, you, you live in your nightmares forever. Right. Yeah, I have two Funko Pops of him, not just one. He's my <laughs> wow. only one. I have two. It was actually an accident, but we'll say it was fate. Uh-huh. Yeah, one for each hand, <laughs> so he can put an eyeball on each and stare and admire himself on other ends of the room. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
but on but on the other end, I I was not a fan of uh, the shape of water, um, which I I kind mm. of yeah, I, uh, you know, sounds like there's some disagreement here, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and his Hellboy movies are fun, but um, yeah, I've seen most, and uh, the Devil's Backbone reminded me of very much like Kronos, his mm. early Mexican um vampire film. Yes. And uh yeah, I really enjoyed The Devil's Backbone. I had been meaning to get to it for a while now and uh I'm glad this podcast as it always does offers me the opportunity to do so. Yeah. Um and uh and like Guillermo who's kind of a, a playful filmmaker in his own right, I love love my favorite thing about it is maybe that the ghosts in this film or rather one ghost is uh benevolent ben- benev- benevolent benevolent. <laughs> The ghosts are benevolent in this movie, <laughs> which is great. We can they, talk. Yeah. You know. We, <laughs> guys, we just woke up. It's the morning. All right. <laughs> it's like 6 a.m. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I agree. I love that. And uh, mm-hmm. you, we won't get it the shape of water. It's no pants labyrinth, but, you know, we might have to talk about that at some point. Um, but, yeah, sure. to go from the <laughs> kind of the, um, I don't know, a little bit more like frenetic and intense deep red. Uh, this is definitely a much slower film um mm-hmm. you know more yeah. haunting and kind of um beautiful in its own right definitely a different kind of pace uh tone and mm-hmm. yeah I, it's one that i've seen a few times um saw a very long time ago I, I still his first movie i was introduced to was pan's labyrinth um and then i revisited you know ones that i had missed and um I, I've seen, uh, I believe I've seen his entire filmography, but I definitely yeah. think he has a very interesting look to his films, feel to his films. Um, you know, he always kind of creates these fairy tales in a sense. And I feel like the Devil Backbone, Devil's Backbone is more like a Kronos. It definitely still has that Guillermo vibe, mm-hmm. um, but it is a little bit different. And it's definitely one that I love. Um, so I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And, yeah. uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I was, I was going to say the, the, you mentioned the pacing of it. It is, mm-hmm. it is a bit slow to get going, but there's a lot of great stuff that happens yeah. in the final third that, mm-hmm. uh, that are like when it starts all paying off, I won't spoil too much. Right. But, uh, when the ghostly encounters pick up, I guess it, uh, it, it gets really good. Yeah. And, and like so many things, I think in his stories or his films, you know, he uses kind of like fairy tale or fantasy elements, mm-hmm. but there's usually some element of something real or historical or, um, you know, something that they touch on. Like with this is the Spanish Civil War. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a backdrop. And I just, I, I think that he does a really great job of, of making things like touching on real things while also using, you know, magical realism, I suppose. Is that what, what it is be called? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I, you know, I'm a fan of that. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I also love the, the story, the relationship with him and, and the ghost, the benevolent mm-hmm. ghost. I almost yeah. just said the malevolent, which is not true. It's the opposite. No, no, no. <laughs> um, Santa. and I also love, I also, yeah, Santi, I also love the look of the film as well. Um, you know, it's also kind of, like, you know, you mentioned like dreamy um, mm-hmm. and, and this is like a different kind of way. Uh, this is definitely, you know, it's it's more like the the to- like the colors, the kind of bluish green. It's um, kind of a darker film, but it, it really is. And it's also a very sad film. <laughs> um, it's got a lot yeah. of layers, but I mean, it can be kind of, you know, eerie at times as well. Um, yeah. 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 Well, you me- you mentioned the Spanish Civil War and this. Mm-hmm. 
this orphanage just seems to be constructed in the middle of nowhere. Like I think it's a it's a, like a day's walk or ride into the nearest town. Uh, they're just so secluded. But uh, in the middle of the town, the centerpiece is this like undetonated nuclear bomb or so, just some kind of powerful bomb that was obviously um, that was dropped during the war and it fell and landed, but it has not gone off. And so it's just kind of like this lingering here, this lingering yeah, yeah totem of, of of war. And and I don't know, it just kind of underlines just how like I, I I guess the the deadness of everything around them like they're just so mm-hmm. isolated like a bomb wouldn't even go off right yeah yeah and that kind of haunts them just like the actual haunting with the with the child but also just like right. the war that remnant of it um is just kind of hanging around and is a reminder and mm-hmm. yeah I mean I also think that there's something powerful about, about films of this nature that are from a child's perspective. Uh, if they're done right and done well. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's, this one does it a very good job with that. And, and and I do think, you know, I love the atmosphere as well. And I think um, the lead, the lead is uh, Fernando Tielf, uh which plays Carlos. I don't think I said that. I'm not as good as descriptions as Jake here, but um, <laughs> uh, he, he also does a fantastic job in the film as well, kind of carrying it. Um, yeah. He's a he's a great looking kid too, um, and uh, I th- I'm not not like uh, just he's he's a good actor uh, is what I'm saying, and is as like a uh, as an image of innocence. Um, yeah, absolutely. Guillermo's really good at casting. Is this is you know I was I just couldn't help but think of Ophelia from Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, as I was watching him, but is this the only other film that of those two that Guillermo sort of guided it through the eyes of a child rather than an adult? I was just, you know, I was just thinking that um, because I was just thinking he obviously is very good with that. But I feel like mm-hmm. those are the only two. Um, I may or may not be quickly going to, say, <laughs> to verify that there isn't one I'm missing, but I think they are I the think, only I don't two. Think, I don't think Blade is. Or Blade 2, <laughs> Wait, rather. what? It's not? Wesley Snipes, the, the baby boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I oh, mimic. Um, no, I have you seen Mimic? I've not. That's um, that's now looking at the list. Blade Two and Mimic are the only um, released films I should say that I have not seen. Uh, well, we shall revisit Mimic on a future episode because it's uh, worthy of a watch. Um, right, but yeah, no, I think that's the only two uh, kid ones. Yeah, and and they're both like, I don't know, seemingly almost wise beyond their time, um, and they're just mm-hmm. really engaging. Like the characters are just. It's very compelling. They're very compelling. Their stories are everything that there's what's going around on around them. They're both kind of dealing with this in both of those movies. There's actually a similarity with um, kind of like trauma and dealing with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, very difficult circumstances, war, uh, things are going around uh, on around them. So, you know, there's always that escapism, I think, a little bit more so with Pan's Labyrinth that she wants to escape. Um, whereas, I mean, I'm sure he does too, but it's, it's not quite the same fantasy as, as she has. Yeah. And there's also like, there's this, there's like your, you have your standard bully character in the Mm. orphanage, but he actually comes to redeem himself. He's not, Mm -hmm. he's not bad. He's just horribly misunderstood. Misunderstood. (laughs) Some scary incidents that happened. Yes. But, um, yeah, the atmosphere is great. You know, the, like it's nice and sun soaked during the daytime and, Mm. The, the nighttime stuff is really chilling, especially the the first night out where they go to steal some water from the kitchen. 
Um, and that's like the first ghostly encounter is very, is very creepy and tension filled. But, um, yeah, no, it was a, it was a great time with, uh, old, uh, Guillermo and the gang. <laughs> old and, Guillermo and the gang. I'm going to write yeah, that. We're going to have to say that if we do mimic. That's, well, yeah, well, uh, I'll write, I'm going to write mimic down as our, uh, list of potential upcomings. Yeah, so we're not done with old Guillermo and the gang, but that, we, that the gang. I think that's a wrap on the backbone. Sure, yeah. Good, good call. <laughs> All right, it, keep it trucking. Yeah, keep well, let's go. The second film I uh, introduced uh, Christy to was uh, Nobuhiko Obayashi's House or Hausu from 1977. Um, which can be described as all sorts of ways, <laughs> but uh, it's really just sort of a bonkers horror comedy phantasmagoria about six girls who accompany one of their friends to go stay at her aunt's house in the summertime, and uh, the house is haunted as all hell, and uh, literally all hell breaks loose. Um, it's uh, and it's just a fantastic thrill ride that's got great visuals and good music as well um christy what are your uh what were your thoughts on house uh it's so utterly bizarre <laughs> so, it really is it's, um I, I actually messaged jake and asked i wonder if i was hallucinating when i was watching this movie because <laughs> i was just like what is happening a couple times well more than a couple times if but <laughs> yeah if you walk into house just with a casual state of mind it's going to mess you up um yeah and, i did that yeah I did in, that. A, in a in a fun way potentially but um <laughs> well I, I, uh, I don't mind my head being messed up so that's yeah. okay that's not you know just giving a disclaimer but i also when i get picks from jake I, if i don't know the movie a lot mm -hmm. about it i purposely try not to look into it and so i yeah. really like going into i like to be slapped right in the face with the film <laughs> like i don't want to know and um i actually was on um vacation and wonderful vacation and i uh <laughs> was in the airport um with a long 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 layover and i thought that that would be a good time to watch this movie so there was yeah. also a very strange dynamic going on as to uh <laughs> i was sitting there masked up you know by myself in the corner and i just i feel like i was maybe tra traversing into another plane of of consciousness so yeah um so we have that going for it as well but no it was <laughs> it is a lot of fun though because i mean it's also very funny it's it's very oh, weird yeah. um visually you know amazing and just so bizarre and you you know you know me so i appreciate the weird so of course yes. i'm going to be a cheerleader for that um Definitely. But yeah, it, it still did, uh, you know, catch me off guard a little bit, even though I don't know why I was surprised, really. I should always be well, like, expecting that at least a third of the time with Jake's picks, at <laughs> least. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I, I first became aware of House 11 years ago, or like 11 or 12 years ago, whenever, uh, Gaspar Noe's Enter the Void came out, um, because I made it, I made like one of my first treks up to LA. Just me and a group of friends to go see it at this local theater here called the New Art. And, uh, the New Art plays a lot of cool flashback movies every Friday night. And when I saw, uh, Enter the Void, they had a trailer for House and that was like the first time I had ever experienced it. And I was like, what is this movie? And I just became fascinated and I wanted to know more about it. And I think within the next year, Criterion released it on Blu-ray in the U.S. So I was able to get a copy of it and I watched it and it was just uh, everything I was hoping for. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, and I've seen it several times now, but I've never seen it in what I would 
expect is the preferred way is just with a midnight crowd of of knowing film fans who are excited to go on the ride that uh, Obayashi takes you on. Yeah, that would but be fun. It, it's it, definitely a, a trippy one. Yeah, it's that doesn't even begin to describe how. I mean, so we mentioned there's like six girls and they're all kind of just for simplicity's sake, they're all sort of just identified by their primary characteristic. Like the nice girl, his name is Sweet, and the uh, the model girl is gorgeous, and the smart girl is named Prof. Um, and my favorite of the girls, I think this is everyone's favorite character, is uh, can you guess who I'm gonna say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> it's Go ahead. Kung Fu. Yes. Yes. She's the yes. best. Um, <laughs> because anytime something goes down in the house, most of the girls are dispatched in some horrifying way. But Kung Fu is actually able to fight things off. And she's got this cool little theme song that kicks in every time she busts a move on like a door or a, yeah. <laughs> the refrigerator. Um, but yeah, so a lot of great. It's sequences where, uh, like, Obayashi just kind of throws every – like, this movie is just it, – it's it's such a amazing collection of just so many different filmmaking techniques. Mm. Like, er, early on when it's more subdued, I guess you could say there's just these gorgeous, like, backdrops and matte paintings – Mm-hmm. That make up the background and it re- it really like draws attention to the artificiality of it all. But I think there's something really charming in how it looks. And then, yeah, when just when the crazy things happen in the house, like <laughs> like it was like B movie at some some points and like um almost like very low budget at times. So, like, yeah, but then it, changes. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I love the character names, just to say, like, oh, the yeah, fact that oh. they're like basically, you know, gorgeous fantasy kung fu. It's just mm-hmm. it's just a, kind of um, it's it feels very self-aware um, in a lot oh, of yeah. ways, which which I love. And yeah, Obayashi does some interesting stuff with colors and bizarre images. <laughs> um, <laughs> like the the guy that gets turned into a stack of bananas. Yes, like that. <laughs> That's great. Um, and uh, one, and probably the like the highlight of the film, which like everyone knows of this scene when they watch it, it's the piano scene. Um, mm-hmm. One of the girls, her, her name is actually Melody. She's the you know she can play instruments, and she sits down and starts to play the piano, and the piano starts eating her alive, and it's just so like zany and bonkers and just like it's horrifying but yet it's also fun as well right yeah Uh, you you don't want to look away it's like yeah (laughs) it's a perfect mix of like you know horror and and comedy and just completely zany like you said it just you know off the wall Mm -hmm. nonsense sometimes (laughs) yeah (laughs) and this this stuff is is kind of like a mix of nonsense which is just fun (laughs) yeah there's there's also like this um this cat who may or may not be uh evil is uh his name is cloud or something there's also (laughs) like a a vomiting cat portrait that pops up throughout the house um it's uh yeah and and you're thinking like oh man this movie is like crazy it's only like 88 minutes long too Mm. so it is it is really just dense and packed with so much wonderful things but um yeah, I uh, if you're adventurous and looking to seek out a fun thrill ride, I highly recommend House. Yes. And I, ho- yeah. I hope Christy had a good time when I, I, I did. When she settled I, into it. <laughs> I did have a good time being consumed by House. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely a fun one. It was, <laughs> um, it's 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 a wild one, but in a good way. And it's definitely very original. I I can uh, I can say that it's definitely unique and it's 
Yeah. It's bonkersness. <laughs> it's bonkersness. There's really just kind of a, a complete lack of adjectives to describe house. <laughs> um, yes. If anyone has any, feel free to send us yeah. a message. Yeah. Well, um, shall we? Uh, shall we? Shall we? Yeah. We shall. Let's do it. Um, take all take right. us home. Take, take us away. Um, all right. So the last movie. So mm-hmm. sad. We're already at the last movie. Um, is uh, Splinter, the 2008 film, um, directed by Toby Wilkins. And this movie mm-hmm. is about a couple. They kind of have this, like, getaway plans to <laughs> go camping, even though they're definitely not suited for it. Um, and it goes awry. And then they get, they run into, and it's Jill Wagner and Paolo Costanzo. They decide to um, go and get a motel, because that doesn't work out. And they basically are carjacked by um, two, you know, kind of, like, criminals um Mm -hmm. but uh, played by shay wiggum and rachel krebs and they take them to a nearby gas station and it turns out they are not the most dangerous things to be um run they're going to run into on this evening uh and the film you know pretty much just takes place at this gas station and you know i think i've probably said it on these many times but i love movies that utilize like a single location or um, mm-hmm. you know, a limited location and, and are still a- a- able to like maintain your curiosity and, and are compelling or fun. So this yes. is one of those. I think this movie's just like a blast. Uh, I think it's a good one to actually end on because it's probably, I mean, so many of these have lighthearted elements, but there's just something really like, I just don't know another adjective that's as good as this, uh, for this film is fun. It also makes me laugh a lot, but what was your, what was your impression of Splinter? I really, really liked this movie, and in in some ways, this was maybe my favorite watch of the four. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I I love the simplicity of it. Um, like you said, I love the single the use of the single location, uh, which can be a, a dangerous gamble. Yes. Um, because but when it pays off, it, it's it's great. Because there's I don't know if this is the name of the movie, but I think there's a film from a few years ago called ATM. It's about like three twenty somethings who are trapped yes. in an ATM. <laughs> that movie gets tiresome fast. Yes, it this, does. This one does not. Um, I was, I loved the look of the creature effects and was, and I thought they looked great and they thought you know, there, there was some digital manipulation, but I was surprised to learn that well, basically everything is practically done in this movie, which really lends to like the, the great, like the, uh, the evil dead spirit of it all, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, this is just a, like if you're looking for just a great 90 minute little horror thriller, give this one a go audience. I, 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 I assure you, you'll have a good time. Yeah. And I, you know, we've also talked about this, I think, but I'm also a huge fan of practical um, effects yes. and, and yeah, I, <laughs> it's, it's like this, I don't know. I guess we just call it like an organism of uh, that, like tends to yeah. like take over, it's like what it eats and consumes. Um, and it looks like black sludge <laughs> and it looks splintered, which I guess is where the, the term, uh, the name is from. Yeah. Um, it, but there's something a little disturbing about it, uh, about the look of it, you know, and at the same time, it, it's just, I, it makes me laugh. There's like a part where there's like a part of a hand that's like running across the floor. <laughs> that's, it's kind of like the thing in that yes. each, each particle. When, like one splinter could get, which is we see one character gets a, a one single splinter in his hand mm-hmm. and it starts to spread to his arm, which leads to a, a horrifying surgical choice later in the film. <laughs> but like kind of like the thing, each um, bit that gets into you 
uh, it'll infect your whole body and then yes. it can break off and each part of you can act as its own individual organism. Right. So like I was, I wrote down like one of my notes was, um, I, th- I think it's just, uh, is it just it from the Adams family is, uh, or no thing from Adam's family is the right. little hand that runs around. So, yeah. so like even if you like shotgun uh, an infected body, like the arm could break off and chase after you. Right. Um, and which, there's just something so. It- that's, I mean, who doesn't love that, right? Like, it's, there really is so a sequence where it's <laughs> where it's like hobbling on the floor, um, and somehow there's it, it's suspenseful. It's like, is it going to get him? And it just like throws itself at him. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, like even a little splinter can basically turn you into this. So it's not, you know, you don't want to mess around with it. And mm-hmm. also something that I enjoy is obviously, you know, when. And this isn't a new, a lot of these aren't new concepts. I mean, this is not a groundbreaking film in any way, storytelling wise, but something that, you know, often happens with movies like this is, you know, unsuspect, uh, people that aren't, you know, weren't planning to have to fight something together or potentially were against each other. Whereas like Shea Wiggum had them by gunpoint was, Mm -hmm. you know, making them drive. Um, of course he's kind of redeemed as the the film goes on as to not be as, you know, he's another misunderstood character, but, um, they're forced to work together under the, and survived. They need each other to survive. And obviously that happens fairly often, but there's something kind of, I don't know, almost sweet about their, the dynamic between these characters and how they're kind of forced to work together and their little moments of camaraderie um, amid the yeah. <laughs> dangerous sludge that uh, wants to consume them. But yeah. So, and, and there really is a, there's quite a few moments of like levity too. Um, you know, it's kind of playful in, in a lot of ways yet it's, and, and, you know, the comparisons to the thing, actually, I think there's a few of them that can be made. It makes sense that I, I the thing is like one of my favorite horror movies. So it would make sense same. that <laughs> I would appreciate this as well. Um, so I'm glad you had fun with it. Cause I, I really do think, I mean, it's, I think it's like 88 minutes or something or 82 minutes. It's a really fast watch. Yeah. Um, really yeah. breezes by it. Doesn't, it doesn't waste any time. That's uh yeah, it really kind of gets in and gets out. And I think that's kind of like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good balance of films that we have. Like you can go into your, your slow, uh, operatic horror mystery of a uh, deep red, or you can just, if you're looking for just something, you know, to get in and get out and have a good time, like mm-hmm. splinter just, it delivers. Um, yeah. and, and it's, yeah, very, again, very innovative use. Uh, obviously they're in a convenience store attached to a gas station. So, like their resources are limited to the inventory mm-hmm. that's around them. Um, Which is always fun too. Yeah. You know, like what would you do? What can you use? Like how oh, yeah. can you protect yourself? And also, um, Paul Costanzo is like, uh, I think he's going to be a doctor. He's or... a, like a biology student yeah. on his way to graduating. Yeah. So... so of course he has, he's trying to also figure out like how to defeat this. And he's also, mm-hmm. should be said, like a character that seems like kind of, um, you know, not very heroic. <laughs> um, yeah. He doesn't want to be outside, doesn't know how to put a tent together, but in the end, you know, obviously is very vital to, figuring out how to defeat it uh, versus, you know, the guy that just has the gun and, you know, is brave. But um, yeah, it's it's kind of like the muscle is forced to team up with the brain and yes. the girl, Jill Wagner, is sort of like the balancing between them. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot of uh, great little like like I, one thing you mentioned, like the just the black sludge of the creature. Mm-hmm. I, I like when something is seemingly unstoppable, like you just kind of have to contain it or hopefully burn it away somehow. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and there's there's just a lot of like different 
things that happen that like as things develop outside, like at one point or another, like cop car shows up and the cop is immediately dispatched as we just to prove that the threat is still out there. But then they, there's a scene where they have to try to get the radio. And then there's also just like what happens if they have to go outside? What do they do to circumvent that? And like yeah. they're, again, making good use of the supplies inside the store, especially a good use of fireworks, which mm. is a pretty fun distraction. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I mostly, I'm just kind of sad into looking at the film afterwards. Uh, the filmmaker director, Toby Wilkins, he just did the third grudge movie, which I don't know if anyone even saw and he hasn't seemingly worked since. I know. I I was looking at his filmography as well, um, right before this, because I was thinking, wait, what did he do after that? And it seems like this was unfortunately his, his high point. And this is a very seemingly like under, I don't know, like a lot of people have never heard of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just weird that it kind of like snuck out and snuck back in, but yeah, um, he has not done, I think his last, he has, that was the last movie directed was Grudge 3 in 2009. So God, yeah. yeah, um, it's, it's too bad. I know that there had been like conversation about a sequel at some point, but I don't think that it did well enough to maybe get that. Um, but it's definitely a great little creature feature to check out. I feel like it's definitely underrated and, is just a it's a good little uh any time of year it doesn't have to be halloween um the That's month true. of october <laughs> i mean we're uh we're in a post uh halloween podcast right now but mm. uh, i think i think any of these films you know could be suitable anytime. on any time exactly yeah they're Christmas not Eve, yeah uh, exactly morning in between <laughs> on valentine's day yeah uh, you honestly. know <laughs> you're it's uh it's you're hung over from from St. Patrick's Day and you want to watch uh, a, a crazy movie where some girls go to a house in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> put on house. Put on house. Yeah. You, you know, all of these can really <laughs> vibe at any time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that we, that was a good little uh, concoction of, of horror representation here. I, I like it. Yeah. I, it, I so. I'll, I, looking back now, I mean, usually we have, we have themes that sort of tie in our movies together that, that we never plan, but uh right. This came out very varied. I mean, yes. there's a lot to a lot of different things to explore for different reasons, and yeah. uh, I, feel I like had there's fun something with... for everyone here. You know? Exactly. Give even if yeah, taste. even if so, yeah. If you're listening, and even if only one of these sounded interesting to you, uh, I I still consider that a win, and let us know what it is. Absolutely, we love a win. Yeah. So share well, it with us. Yeah. Well. I say, uh, are we uh, looking like uh, to wrap things up here? Any any final thoughts on any of these movies? No, just you know, just what we just said. I think it's a great variety, and I think that they're all can be appreciated for different things. And I think that just again highlights the beauty of this genre that is so often not so often, but often overlooked or kind of looked at like there's only one kind of horror. And this is usually for people that don't watch this genre that mm-hmm. think this way. Um, but it's it's one that really just can allow so much depth. And I think just this little random group of four films really shows that because they are all very different, but all very rewarding in different ways. Yeah. And you know, we're not, this is not a horror podcast, but Christy and I are, we're big horror heads. So uh, we're always happy to check out what these films have to offer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we only really have done horror, I think during this, the month of October, right? Um, Oh, actually our first one we might have, I, I think honeymoon. We, I know, I, th- I mean, we've been doing horror basically since the beginning of this show. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, uh, we'll do something upbeat. 
Yeah. Even though, you know, House is pretty upbeat in a different yeah. weird way. <laughs> it's uh, Oh, we didn't even mention there's a great soundtrack by a band called Go Daigo, uh, yes. which is very fun and poppy throughout. Lots so, of good uh, music in your choices. Yeah. Exactly, sure. yeah. That yes. too. Yeah. Well, yeah, this has been fun. Um, if, yes. you're, uh, if you'd like to reach out, uh, you can hit us up at Film Inquiry on Twitter or uh, I'm at Jake Tropila on all things. Uh, Christy, where can people find you? Yeah, at Strauss, S-T-R-O-U-S-E underscore Christy, K-R-I-S-T-Y. Wonderful. Yeah, and if you have recommendations of your own that mm-hmm. you think neither of us have seen, uh, please pitch them to us. We've actually had a couple more suggestions come in, which we might yes. turn into a new episode soon. So Ooh la la. We're we'd excited. Love to, we'd love to hear. If you have uh, have more hidden gems for us to offer, uh, by all means, send them our way. And uh until uh, next time, uh, don't go into creepy houses or gas stations and uh, stay alive, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Groovy. Groovy.